Chapter 19 of Carpenter's World Travels Alaska, Our Northern Wonderland by Frank Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Chapter 19 Thawing Fortunes Out of the Ice. The country surrounding Fairbanks is the richest of the gold bearing regions of Alaska. Since gold mining began there in 1886, the Yukon Basin has produced over 130 millions of dollars worth of gold, about 80 millions of which came from the Fairbanks district. This is one-fourth of the value of all the gold taken out of Alaska. When one considers the 7 million the United States paid for the territory, $320 million in gold output in something like 40 years seems a pretty fair return on our investment all the gold of the fairbanks district has been washed from creeks and their valleys the valleys are streaked with a bedrock which lies far down under the surface the gold-bearing stratum is five or six feet in thickness and has an average value of more than five dollars per cubic yard imagine a strip of land from new york to philadelphia five times as wide as the ordinary road and worth one and one-third million dollars per mile and you will have some idea of the gold-bearing earth of this land of wealth. The miners are still working on the oldest of the creeks, although in places these are almost deserted. When I visited the creeks yesterday, I went by log hotels and dance halls, now empty and silent, and passed great masses of gravel, the monuments of the work of the past. Leaving Fairbanks, we motored up one stream and down another, passing pile after pile of these tailings. We went through villages, which were once almost cities, now going to ruin, and after traversing the valleys of Fox Creek, Pedro Creek, Engineer Creek, Queenie Creek, Esther Creek, and other creeks named after the dance ladies of early days, stopped for the night at Chattanooga on Cleary, one of the richest creeks of the Fairbanks district. I am told there are places along Cleary where every foot of ground is worth $2,500. Cleary has produced about $24 million worth of gold, and it is estimated that there is more gold in the ground than has yet been taken out. They are now working over some of the claims for a second time, and with cheap coal, better transportation, and modern dredging machinery, most of it will be handled again. I heard one miner discussing the possibilities of his men striking for higher wages. They can strike if they want to, said he, but I can make a living working over my dump heap. I can take a rocker and wash out $15 every day in the week. Nearly all of the gold taken out of the ground about Fairbanks has been placer gold. This means it is made up of gold dust and nuggets scattered through the earth and gravel so that it has only to be washed to get the gold out. Of quartz gold, this region has as yet produced little, although several quartz mines are now working and more will be opened with the coming of cheaper fuel from the Ninana coal fields. Placer mining in Alaska is far different from that of the states. In California and in the Rockies, all that a miner needed to start business was a pick, a shovel, and a pan to wash out the gold. He might add a rocker or some other rude pieces of machinery, but all told the outfit costs little. The free gold lay on the top of the ground, or on the banks and in the beds of the creeks, and it was comparatively easy to find and wash it out. Here about Fairbanks, more than 80% of the productive deposits 
lie at from forty to two hundred and sixty feet underground and most of them are in valley bottoms which are solidly frozen and have to be thawed out before the gold can be got at the whole country is covered with moss which must be stripped off to find what lies beneath to test the ground the prospector must go down to bedrock the result is that his outfit is much more costly than in the rockies it should include a small boiler and pipe for steam thawing rubber hose steam points and steam fittings he needs a windlass a cable and wooden buckets to get the earth out after it is thawed and if he expects to prospect in deep ground he should have a steam engine as well there is sold here a prospecting outfit which costs about six hundred dollars it consists of a four horsepower boiler a hoisting engine steam points pipe and fittings and buckets and cable the outfit is compact and can be carried on a dog sled one of the best methods of prospecting is with drills, but the freight rates have been so high that few have come in. Of course, the new railway should mean lower prices for the best drills, which were formerly around $2,000. It will be seen that it costs something to grub stake a man in Alaska. Still, much grub staking is done. Outsiders will furnish the provisions, and the outfit and the miners will agree to prospect and there are many little claims scattered here and there over the country that are kept going that way. Most of these are honestly managed. Now and then one is not. They tell a story here in Fairbanks about a miner who was working away in good spirits, notwithstanding his output, which was practically nothing. He had plenty of money and seemed happy. Ask how he was doing. He replied, fine, fine. Then you have reached the pay streak, I suppose? yes i struck that at the start but where is it i don't see any gold oh was the reply the pay streak is not here the pay streaks in chicago while i was at chattanooga i went into some of the mines in the nolan mine we got into a bucket and were dropped down a well eighty-four feet deep leaving the bucket we walked through tunnels stopping now and then to watch the miners thaw out the ice layer the work is done with steam points or pipes through which steam is driven into the ice the boilers with which the pipes are connected force the steam through rubber hose into the steel pipes these end in points in which are small holes to let out the steam the pipes are driven into the frozen walls with hammers working their way on inch by inch as the steam thaws out the ice it melts the gravel for several feet about the pipe the thawed stuff can then be dug down and thrown into wheelbarrows which carry it to the shaft and the hoists we saw the gold-bearing earth going out of the mine in the same bucket in which we came down an engine raised the bucket by a steel cable high above the shaft whence it slid on a pulley to the dump over the sluice box the work of getting out the ore goes on winter and summer but sluicing or washing out the gold can be done only when the weather is warm we were fortunate in being at the nolan mine during one of its weekly cleanups the gold is washed in a trough perhaps a yard wide a yard high and several hundred feet long this sluice box is made of rough plank and is set up at an angle of fifteen or twenty degrees so that it extends to the ground from the high crib containing the dump when the time for the cleanup comes a door is opened in the dump 
and the gold-bearing gravel pours down into the sluice-box. A stream of water flows over it, forcing it onward and washing the dirt and gravel away. In the bottom of the sluice-box are riffles, or grates of steel, which catch the gold. As the gold is heavier than the rock, sand, and earth, it falls into the riffles while the stream washes out the debris. At first the water came in a flood, carrying down the stone, gravel, and sand with a rush. Five miners, clad in rough clothing with rubber boots to their thighs, stood in the current and stirred the mass as the water poured down. They threw out the big boulders and pitchforked over the mortar and sand. They stopped it here and there with their shovels so that every bit of gold dust might be washed out. After a time, bits of the bottom of the sluice box were visible. In some places, the box had turned yellow. The gold dust had piled up and coated the boards. The riffles became filled with black sand mixed with the yellow, and now and then a small nugget was to be seen. The riffles were lifted out, and the black sand containing the gold was carefully washed over. The water now flowed slowly, and the men agitated it with brushes of seaweed about the size of a whisk broom. With these, they separated most of the sand from the dust, and the yellow flour and grains were caught in a scoop and thrown into a pan. It covered the bottom of the pan like a coarse yellow cornmeal. After getting the gold out of the box, we took some of it into the office cabin nearby and dried it over a fire. It was then tossed up by the miners to blow out the bits of sand that were left. They threw the gold into the air, much as you throw screenings to chickens, blowing the black sand away and catching every bit of the gold in the pan. The cleanup of this week amounted to about three quarts of gold. It was worth over $4,000, and the gold contents averaged $17 per ounce. This was the cleanup of a small mine. Larger cleanups sometimes run into the tens of thousands of dollars. End of chapter 19